Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about Tilth. What does that really mean? And no, it's not just our name. Uh, so we're going to talk about what Tilth is and how it relates to soil health. In our spotlight, we're going to talk about oats. Ag history, we'll look at so- at the Haney uh, soil health test. We got some cool beans and that's corny for current events. And in You Applied What, we'll find out what products we're talking about this week. So how we doing, guys? Anybody going shack happy? Doing good, Matt. Yes. Hanging in there, hanging yeah. in there. Oh, sorry. Uh, with me today, as I keep forgetting since we're not in the same room, is Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Todd Schomburg. Hey, Matt. And Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? It looks like Max is having technical. There he is. He's there. All right, <laughs> and I'm Matt, Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So sorry about that. I will get this down eventually. We've only done like 20 some episodes. I think it's part of just being shacked up, Matt. And it's just like walking fields and getting cheap gas and talking to farmers outside or on the phone and then coming back. Yeah, I put yeah, 20 bucks just... in the truck today. That was good for you. <laughs> <laughs> And it wasn't a half a tank. That's so awesome. Yeah. No, I, it, sadly, at Seymour, we're, we're at like a dollar twelve yet, whereas other places are below that buck mark. Yeah, it's, it's awesome how low that's gotten. So it's crazy. You're not feeling guilty, though, I bet. Nope. No guilt at all. This is pretty much the cheapest gas since I've been alive, I think, at this point. I never thought I'd see it under $2, you know, again. Right. So, like, to see $1.99 and now to see it, like, under a dollar, that's just, just blows my mind. I had a friend who uh, on Facebook posted, they filled up and they had, like, I don't remember if it was Quick Trip points or Piggly Wiggly points or whatever it was for 30 cents off per gallon. So, they filled up for 67 cents per gallon. That was pretty good. Surprised that this rate they still give you those points. Oh, there's a discount in our house for uh, BP gas for fifty cents off a gallon every time we fill up because we do have a frontline healthcare worker living in our house, and so nice. I'm like, Sweet. oh yeah, fifty cents off a gallon. That's money, baby. <laughs> well, the gas tax is fifty two cents, so anything under that, I'm. You're still getting ripped off. (laughs) Max, you're bleeding those uh, oil companies dry that way. I'm going to try. I want to bring, I want to bring Texas back to the power of the oil industry. It's my goal. (laughs) Texas, Texas forever. Don't mess with Texas. You guys, did you guys watch Friday Night Lights? It was a TV show. Nope. A little bit. Texas for a little bit. I love that show. I remember the movie with Billy Bob Thornton. I don't think I've ever seen the so movie. You guys... It's like the TV show, but condensed down in like two hours. Yeah. You can condense all you guys that happy in two hours? we didn't get 10 inches of snow? Yeah. I'm excited. Two years ago, yesterday, and today was the snowpocalypse of two feet. 
So it was nice to not get that this year. But instead of that, we got the freezing cold where it was down in the teens overnight <laughs> in spots. So yeah, we actually could have could have used a little bit of that snow cover to help protect the just the hay and wheat. Yeah, I don't know. It's still too too early to tell. All the wheat I've been in this week in alfalfa, it looks like it could be affected, but at the same time, it it might be just fine. And it's almost just too early to check, and we got to wait and see next week. What did you guys see? I saw a little crinkling today, just a little bit on the edges. There's a field that had some clover in. It seemed like the clover got hit a little worse than the than the alfalfa did. But I'm starting to see pockets of heaving too, so that might be a bigger issue. Yeah, the issue. grasses seem to take this better, though that's for sure, than, than the alfalfa too, I think. Yeah, no, I, I was in a couple fields today. One had wasn't harvested uh, later in the fall, and that one had a lot of cover look real good and another one that i was in um wasn't harvested real late but didn't have as much cover and that one seemed to be looking a little rougher uh the alfalfa i was in today looked pretty good i don't i don't think it was damaged too bad so i'm gonna cross my fingers hopefully it stays like that yeah this next week or two will tell us a lot it the forecast looks better better not great but better yeah, at least closer to normal for this time of year. Sorry, typical. I got to stop saying normal because that doesn't exist. <laughs> typical is the new word. I like that. Yep. I thought I'll try to stick with I typical. Thought, I thought typical for this time of year was 36 inches of snow. I was really getting accustomed to that in April. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that was one of my uh, my favorite memes was April as usual, and it showed like a snowstorm and people shoveling and then april in quarantine and it was like sunny and everything was greening up and everything and that was pretty much a good descriptor until this week that that's the way it felt the first that's kind of how i feel about the gas price you got cheap gas and nowhere to go yeah it's true yeah that is the irony we can fill up and hardly anybody's driving so i i drove past the movie theater Have the other day heard of the latest covid cancellations yeah, I heard uh, Outagamey County dropped breakfast on the farm for the year. Yep, so that's the first. There was two other counties apparently in Wisconsin, but first in our area, and unfortunately probably more to come, so we'll see. So I, I wasn't, I don't know, Matt, we talked about maybe them just doing the drive-up breakfast. I think that could work. Yep. Just buy some tortillas and some eggs and do a breakfast burrito on the go. Just let people drive by the farm and throw them at them and get a little pamphlet about the farm and some info about the dairy industry and you're good to go, right? I said to Todd, with some of these modern farms, you could have a line of cars drive right through the barn, right down the feed alley. You should somehow get pretty scary. Do like they do at the drive-in where you can tune it to a radio station and then you loop some. uh, Exactly. you, You loop your narrative of the farm there you go that's what i was thinking bill just have a running uh running tour track going and as you drive through the barn i don't know if i'd trust all those people driving in my barn yeah then the you know i wouldn't trust them either the other cancellation that's unfortunate but at the same time 
they got lucky in a way was the uh, earlier this week on Monday, Farm Tech State Farm Technology Days announced that they have po- postponed the show until 2021. Which, as we talked on earlier, Tilt Talk Radio, they don't have a host for 2021. So they basically just, it kind of worked out for them. So that was good, I guess, that they they didn't have a host. And now they just kind of moved it from, you know, or didn't move it. It's still going to be in Eau Claire and moved it from 2020 to, to next year. So when all else fails, punt, right? Yeah. <laughs> so somehow they must have known about this earlier and they just didn't plan one for next year. I don't know. And that's in Eau Claire County, so I'll be there. And then Clark County in 2022, so all on the western side of the state for the next, well, nothing this year, but next two years after that. Either of you guys miss doing that, that you wanted to come back our way and do it again? Nope. I'm yes. Years ago. Max, you weren't there. You don't know. It was. It's a lot of work. A lot of work for all. The, the last time I went, it was so pretty amazing. Last time I went, it was in Kiwani, but we I didn't. I we didn't have to work it or anything. I just went and walked around. That was when it was at um, yeah, up in Kiwani there. Was that uh, Ebert's? Um, I think so. I think so. And we got the NFL draft coming up. The first, uh, first long distance draft, huh? Yeah, I was really I'm excited picturing to this be in to Vegas. be like the Brady Bunch with Goodell in the middle, and then all thirty general, thirty-two general managers. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to mail them their uh, their number one jerseys with each team that picks them. Is there a way we can still boo Roger Goodell or not? Is there like a some sort of chat option or something like that. <laughs> we'll just zoom bomb them. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Somebody should see figure the, that out. Do you see the new thing is you can have farm animals in your zoom. Like you pay to have somebody have an alpaca on camera for your, like, I thought this was ridiculous, but we should get the farmers on this, man, and get some money coming in a different way. Old Bessie on the zoom. Well, that is cool. It, it, just to be like, just to, obviously the animal is just there like as one of the things and you look at it. Yeah. Like a soothing thing, I guess, or something, okay. something to take, take attention away a little bit. Yeah. Cool. All right. Should we get into it? Let's go. Do it. Let's do it. All right. Or April, April, the soil health month. So. All right. And today's topic, tilth. No, not just us. It's a pretty cool name for a company or for soil structure. So the dictionary definition of tilth is cultivation of land, tillage, the condition of tilled soil, especially in respect to suitability for sowing seeds. And (laughs) this is a great quote. He could determine whether the soil was of the right tilth. Boom, mic drop right there. Yep. So tilth, that's one of the reasons we have the name we do, is having good tilth is good land, healthy soil. So, Bill, I remember Grandpa using that word when we were kids, and it wasn't, it's just not a very common word. It's becoming more common, I feel like, but I remember him kind of using that word. Do you ever remember that? 
I don't remember him saying that, but that doesn't mean he didn't say it several times. <laughs> no, Bill was more used to get off your lazy butt and do something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> start bailing hay. Yeah, get in the mow now. That's what I was doing. Yep. Oh well. So, tilth, as we said, there is, you know, suitability. So good, good soil has good tilth. So, what are the aspects of tilth? Any any guesses, guys, or anybody know that the what makes up good tilth? Good aggregates, soil structure, pore size. Any of that sound right? That sounds right to me. So, obviously, having pore space. Adds to your water holding capacity. Uh, it gives you the ability to withstand those heavier rains without taking much damage to the soil. Good functioning soil has lots of pore space and not just one size, but different sizes. And I think the big thing too, guys, is, is, um, we got to have oxygen in the soil. So if we have small pores, we get water, fill up those pore spaces. We can't get good oxygenation. We get denitrification of our, of our uh, nitrogen fertilizer too, which isn't going to help anything in those waterlogged soils. So having good, good soil structure, creating that good pore space is, is going to be good for lots of different things in the soil. Yeah, definitely. So another problem we run into with oxygen de- oxygen deficient soil is denitrification. So we want our nitrogen to be able to be used by the crop. And if we have oxygen deficiencies, then we tend to lose those nitrate or the nitrogen. And we don't want that. Well, and I got to think that, uh, you know, intense cultivation and, you know, we had a lot of compaction last two, last fall. So that's, we're going to see that right away this spring. I bet you when, when we go to do some tillage and, you know, kind of try to cover up those ruts or whatever, we're going to have, have some compaction and hopefully we can get that straightened out. Well, I'm glad you brought up cultivation because that is kind of the irony of as we we learn more about um, soil health and the things that, that are kind of expected of us, the no-till systems, that was always kind of the thing was you would cultivate to get the oxygen to kind of open up the soil. But at the same time, you're destroying some of those aggregates. You're you're breaking up that structure. So it's it's kind of a darned if you do, darned if you don't type situation where, yeah, you're you're adding a benefit, but you're also taking away some from the soil too. I like to use the the term, like how people say beer or alcohol is the cause of all my problems and the solution Shit. to all my problems. Um, so I think tillage is sort of that same, potentially that same thing where it is the cause of and solution to all, you know, sort of problems with soil aggregation. I think the other thing too, what I'm seeing guys is a lot of farms kind of doing a little bit of both. 
you know, instead of, oh, this field's all rutted, I'm going to go work the whole thing up. They're just working those spots that they did kind of trash last year and leaving the good areas alone. So you, it's not perfect, but when we get two extreme wet years in a row, um, you got to kind of work around that sometimes. Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked about it before. Some tillage isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just not, you know, don't get into that rut of I'm I'm going to deep rip every year or I'm going to do X every year. There's a place for a lot of these tools. It's not doing them over and over again. It's choosing the right tool, which sometimes might not be, might be no tool, but choosing the right timing and the right situation to use the tools that we have available. It can be hard to leave a piece of equipment sit on the side of the shed or in the fence line. You know, you paid for it, you want to use it, but sometimes there's that aspect you got to consider too. And I think after a while, you know, each farmer is going to know their soil type and their soil texture. Each soil texture is going to give, you know, be maybe some is more forgivable than others. And, and you got to, as you farm that soil more often, you're going to know every year. Uh, year after year, what you can do and what you can't do and how you can push your your field. We obviously know that when we s- disrupt that s- soil structure and that aggregates, our yields are going to go down, and that's what farmers look for is the highest yield possible. Yeah. No, I, th- I think it's a good point, Bill. So what, what can we do to test our tilth or test our soil health? What are some some ways that you guys have heard or have done in the past that make sense for the farm? Well, we've done the Haney over the years. Um, you know, that's that's a combination of a lot of things. Some are static, and you know, NP and K availability over over a growing season. Get some water extractable organic carbon and nitrogen. Which is which is a good thing. Um, kind of measures the accessibility for the soil microbes, and then there's also a soil health calculation in there. Um, the hard part with that is there's really no threshold. We just know that if the number gets better every time you sample it, that's a better thing. There's there's no really scale. That's the hard part with that final feature of that soil test. Yeah. No. I. I... I saw um, Ray Ward speak at the No-Till, National No-Till Conference, and he his lab, Ward Labs, um, they do the Haney extraction. And um, that was one thing he talked about, you know, being kind of on the frontier of agriculture with soil health. Um, yeah, you when you when once you hit that good mark, you know, I forget what it is, if it's a seven, you know, seven and above is good. Well, what, what happens when you have a 27? Like, all right, we know it's good, but how do you, how do you move on from that? And so there, um, he had some ideas and it was interesting to listen to you know, his thoughts of how we can maybe the next step of testing will be trying to determine, okay, can you go too high? You know, what, what really makes sense? And that's, that's kind of where we're, we're still trying to figure some of this stuff out. So we've done Haney, um, and actually I, the Haney test is is interesting because it is that water extractable, so it's a little bit different extraction. Um, what about 
Purdue. Anybody ever run any tests through Purdue Extension? I know they do some some different different soil health tests. Yeah, they were. I found a bulletin that they had put out a couple of years ago. They actually had four tests they recommended: uh, phospholipid fatty acid test, a soil food web biology test, um, a test out of Cornell comprehensive soil assessment, and then obviously the Haney. So they had a multitude of different things. Um, the interesting part was um, in doing some research for today's episode. The more and more I looked. Um, they, they was basically like pick a lab and stick with it. Uh, pick your test, pick your lab and stick with it. Don't be jumping to different labs and jumping to different tests because you're just not going to be, you're not going to have rep- replicatability. You can't replicate that. Yeah. And I think that's always a good, um, good thought when you're trying to keep that consistency as much as possible. So yeah, Purdue does the series of tests. I know Missouri, uh, University of Missouri does as well. Ward Labs, like I mentioned, and um, actually Rick Haney is still doing out of his ARS lab in, I think it's Temple, Texas. They're still doing the tests. So yeah, pick your pick your poison as it were. You know, find, find a lab and do your tests through that. A lot of them are doing the PFLAs, um, the soil web, and I've, we had a some plots we did with the soil health out of Cornell a few years ago um, as part of an MRTN plot we did. So just, yeah, keeping that consistency in your testing will, will help you learn, I think, what what's going on rather than trying to send them all over to different labs and, and get potentially different results. Cool part I saw about the Cornell test was they do a physical property assessment. And um, basically it's like, stability and hardness of the soil so the stability was uh, kind of a measure of crusting and i know we deal with we can deal a lot with crusting in our neck of the woods so that'd be an interesting one to find out about is assessing that to see which soils are more prone i think we kind of all know what they are but you know kind of maybe can fine-tune some scouting if we know that these specific fields are and then the other one was um, surface and subsurface hard, uh, hardness, which kind of is a factor of like restricting root growth. So maybe that would be something where you know you would want to do like a tillage or something to break up some hardness. Um, but I thought that was kind of a cool part of the test that really haven't given much thought about actually quantifying that. Yeah, no, I, I, I heard some interesting stuff on... Um, different plants and their root, the PSI that the, the root can actually travel through and which are better for compaction, like you mentioned, tillage radish. And actually at the no-till conference, somebody mentioned that um, supposedly annual ryegrass, um, and this was this conjecture, I've, I haven't found any study to back this up, but they said that was the highest PSI um, output of a root. So that if you know, your hardest compaction, that's where you should put annual ryegrass because that root should break through it. But I have no data to back that up. Just a anecdotal thing. Think of that with the size. I mean, PSI is pounds per square inch. So if you got a small but strong root, it could beat out like a tillage radish that's huge, you know, but it, it can't put as much down pressure. So, yeah, it, it that's potentially right. Yeah, no. So um, I think it's it's a good thing to keep in mind 
you know, we have lots of tests available. Keep your budget in mind too. Um, as we wrap up talking about this testing, the Haney's and some of that stuff can be, can run in that 80 to hundred buck range. And you start adding on these PLFLAs, carb, um, Solvita test, which is, um, respiration of the soil, you know, a lot of this different stuff, it can add up quick. You could drop 150, 200 bucks on a test, a series of tests, no problem. So, uh, keep your budget in mind too, when you're looking at, at testing and, and try to maintain a, a reasonable sense of, of what you're looking for. So that's a good point, Matt, because what's in my mind with these, what's changed over the last five years is when they first came out, I thought it would just be like sort of one test or you just have to test kind of one thing like the Haney or you do sort of one thing. Now there's just so many different, you know, it'd be like saying, well, I'm just going to test for phosphorus. Well, in our soil tests, we don't just test for one thing. Now you got a gamut of nutrients we're testing for. So you're right with these soil health analysis ones is hopefully they get cheaper over time and we start to see which ones um, we really don't know when to use which one um, and why you'd pick that one over something else yet. So we're just kind of getting used to, you know, what the results look like and what, you know, healthy soil shows and the results versus what unhealthy soil shows. So to spend a lot of money on all these tests, when we don't know how to interpret them, you're, you're right. All right. So that's a, rundown of some soil health, soil health testing options and how to look at your tilth. So now let's move into our spotlight for today. Today's spotlight is oats. Not just for horses anymore. I just made that up. All right. Oat, uh, oats has been around for a long time. It's, uh, I would say, I don't want to say on the de- decline, but just not something we see a lot of. Uh, wheat is our more popular small grain, but uh, oats has had its place over the years, and uh, there are benefits to growing oats, especially, um, you know, you, it's a soil health booster as well as an option for straw in these years where we haven't been able to get wheat in the ground in the winter or in the fall to get that to overwinter. Uh, so yeah, there are some benefits there for growing oats. So what do you guys think? What have, what have you seen with oats? That was the exact reason, Matt, that I suggested we talk about oats, kind of a non-traditional spotlight topic here. Just thinking about having a lot of chatter this winter about, uh, Short on feed, so we could use it for feed. Also short on straw, because obviously last two years have not been conducive to winter wheat planting. So kind of just getting maybe oats back in growers' minds of um, possibly getting that back in the rotation. Pretty cheap to grow, pretty cheap to harvest. Just got to watch. If we're looking for that straw, you know, hopefully the weather is conducive and we don't get that uh, 60 mile an hour wind right at right before harvest and it goes flat, but just, uh, you know, bring that oats back that it's been around forever. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, not only the, the straw benefit, but it is a nitrogen scavenger. So that can help, you know, pick up some of that excess nitrogen. It will, uh, luxury consume some of that N. So if you've got, uh, issues with, you're worried about runoff, 
of nitrogen or loss nitrogen loss it can be a benefit in that way too on your ground and uh, what's interesting in the article you you brought up here bill was as far as the soil health end goes um, not only giving you a bigger window to establish a cover crop just like wheat um, it also can have a interseeded cover crop so um, we've seen this in wheat and also in oats. You can underseed red clover and potentially even get a harvest of that off in the fall for some heifer feed or something a little extra. So, so there you go. There's our sales pitch. Oats. It can do a lot. So now we'll move into our egg history minute. And today we're going to talk about the Haney test. So Haney starts testing in 2012. Also, conveniently, earlier we talked about Farm Tech Days. That's the year Outagamie County hosted Farm Tech Days. So it's kind of blacked out for some of us. <laughs> or all so of Haney us. So Haney starts... Or all of us. So Haney started his test. Uh, Rick Haney works with the USDA ARS uh, soil Labs. He's at the Grassland Soil and Water Research Laboratory in Temple, Texas. And as he tell, <clears throat> tells it, uh, as we sought answers to why the control plot could yield 60 bushel corn with no supplemental fertilizer, we began finding microbial populations in the soil are a vital component to determining what nutrients will be available to the plant through cycling and carbon mineralization. So looking at water-soluble organic carbon and soil biological biological activity to assess nutrients available in plants is what Haney was doing with his uh, extraction that he came up with. And it's been supported not only by USDA, but also NRCS. Ray Archuleta was a big proponent of the Haney test. And as we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of labs available that will run Haney extractions for you. So uh, it's definitely a popular one when it comes to soil health. Good. Thanks, Matt. I want to please subscribe to our podcast. Any listener out there, if you're not already subscribed, please subscribe. And please also tell a friend. That's all we ask. We don't charge anything for the podcast. Just uh, please tell any friends you know. And some of those friends, you may have to show them how to listen to a podcast because they'll say, pod what? Right, Matt? I'm sorry, you, what about your pod? Like a pea pod? pod? Is that like a bean pod? Like a soybean pod? Do I I need a bean pole? What are we doing? I I don't know. Is this on my smartphone? Can I use a flip phone to get one of these? (laughs) Flip uh, phone, that'd be a trick. Yes. So please show people how to to get our podcast and please follow us at Tilt Talk Radio on Twitter and Facebook. All right. Thanks, Todd. So now let's move into our Cool beans, that's corny. So, cool beans? Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. So, today, we're gonna, for our cool beans, we have the Trump administration that aims to buy milk, meat, uh, milk and meat to help farmers hit by the coronavirus. Coronavirus? I don't know where I was going with that. The coronavirus. Uh, so, Secretary of Ag, Sonny Perdue, made an announcement that as part of a $15.5 billion effort to help farmers weather the impact of the coronavirus outbreak, they will be purchasing milk and other meat products. 
and hopefully move them into food banks or any other humanitarian aid opportunities. Had a similar. Yeah, that is good news. That's good news. Had a similar talk with a farmer today. He um he said he got a call from his uh, field man, and um he's like, I was just about to call you and tell you that you were gonna have to dump milk, and he's like, Well, then why did you call me? And he said, Well, we um we were like two weeks away from telling you to dump milk, but we secured cold storage for ninety days. Of, so they're going to produce their cheese and then store it for 90 days. And then they somehow found a European company that would buy that cheese. So nice. hopefully they can start shipping it. And so they that milk plant just gave each farmer, um, you know, kind of a 90-day window here of, of not having to dump any milk. So I think I really think the industry working behind the scenes is, is trying to get this to roll because, you know, we're hearing the milk. Some guys having to dump milk, but a lot of them still aren't. Yeah, we so. know fluid milk doesn't last well, but you put it in the cheese and it just, you know, more aged the cheese you got, the more expensive it is. So hopefully we can keep that whole thing rolling. And like you say, Bill, I, I do think as much as the industry is trying behind the scenes, they're doing as much as they can, which is exciting. And it's exciting that the, you know, the government is, you know, with the size of the aid package, that they released um, that they are helping out farms through this because um, people need food out there. So that's good. Yeah. And it, uh, one thing I found interesting too, that I, I didn't really know a lot about and still don't know a lot about is the concept of shelf stable milk. Um, that there are certain products they can make with milk that are shelf stable. So they don't need to be refrigerated. It's a fairly limited amount, but um, you know, it's something too that I think can be, is definitely a benefit to our milk producers. So yeah, good news, good things hopefully happening here um, as we move forward. So our that's corny for today is California farmers plow under lettuce after coronavirus shutters restaurant market. Yeesh. So hurt been hearing this a lot, um, not only in vegetables, but also uh, poultry and some others where culling, Culling herds, destroying crops. Unfortunately, yeah, they've had to uh, kind of destroy things that couldn't get to the processor. And, um, and they interviewed Jack Vesey out in California, and he said, you put your blood, sweat, and tears into a crop and just disc it in the ground, it's painful. So he lost out on, uh, there was a number here that I saw. One, it was 1.46 million, yeah, just by plowing up some romaine lettuce 350 acres of romaine lettuce so that goes that to show, it goes to show you how how valuable that lettuce is 350 acres doesn't seem like a lot of acres but that's a big number there so unlike cheese we see that our vegetables are not um are not shelf stable it's an interesting time that way we're you know on a normal time say we we lose what is it 30 percent it's like a third um, to food wastes and other things like that. And in this time too, um, I thought the food waste would maybe go down because people would try to, you know, just save it more and just be more smart about it. But, you know, these kinds of things are, are really unfortunate that it can't end up in the right hands and get to hungry people. So, yeah, no, Todd and I, you know, we talked about that before this episode that, 
you know, you wish there was some way you could just get stuff to food pantries and to people that need food. But yeah, it's a lot of it's not processed or it's in the wrong place. So you still got to find a way to get it somewhere. So it's, it's unfortunate, but it is a reality today. So this was a good cool beans. That's corny because they were, <laughs> one was showing the good stuff going on and one was showing the unfortunate. So well, at least out there, there is, there's both going on and a lot of good going on too, which is good. Absolutely. All right. Now that brings us to you applied. What, what did you do? All right. Bill, this week it was you. You came up with the product, so what do you, what do we got going on today? It was me. Hopefully, I got some some brain busters here for you. So, in the in the ilk of uh, soil health, I thought about um, you know what what is something else that could make good soil health is good microbiology in the soil. So, some microbes. So, these uh, four products could possibly be uh, well. Three of them are. One of them is not. Uh, so in that, uh, biological realm. So the four products are, uh, first one is bio yield. Second one is C flora. Third one is golden bio. And the last one M booster. So anyone want to take a guess? Oi. Um, well, bio yield sounds Fairly reasonable. Okay. Uh, sea flora is what you find at the bottom of the ocean. But I suppose it could be some sort of seaweed-based product. Golden bio, again, sounds possible. And M-booster sounds like a supplement supplement to me. <laughs> uh, but uh, go so I'm going to go M-booster. Yeah, it's GNC. Yeah, yeah Matt's going to GNC for... M booster. Matt booster. Masculinity booster is what I was thinking, but Okay, Max, Matt's you got enough internet to say anything. Matt's I, Max is you guys hear internet. me? Any any yeah, any Max, guess, Max? Gotta, come on, just squeeze out that last internet and just to say what you got. My my guess is M booster. If you I guys can, can hear yeah. me. All right, sweet. It's working again. And and then we don't. <laughs> Awesome. Right, <laughs> he got M booster in. I heard it. I heard it. All Just right, a, I'm gonna, a slight delay. I'm going to go C Flora. Todd is the winner. Todd is the winner. Yes. So, Bio Yield. Yes, that's the easy one. That's a living biological product to unlock phosphorus. Um, uh, Golden Bio is a humic extract from Simplot. M booster is actually a product to solubilize inorganic phosphorus, which I thought was kind of cool. And C floor is a skincare product, so throw that in there. Uh, so Matt, Matt, you can go get your your lotion to make some nice, beautiful skin. So fun fact: I just I was googling these while we were going through this, and uh, Golden Bio is also a company that is doing testing on COVID-19. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, there's a company, Gold Bio, that's coming up with, like, test kits for how to to find COVID-19. So I thought that was kind of interesting. There you go. That'll do it for today. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. Thanks, Matt. 
today we talked about tilth. Give you a little bit of a definition there and soil health testing. In our spotlight, we talked about oats. And it's a viable crop to consider, not only for forage, but straw. In Egg History Knit, we talked about Rick Haney and the Haney Test, starting back in 2012. Hard to believe that was eight years ago. In our Cool Beans, and that's corny, we talked about current administration buying up milk and meat products. While California farmers are forced to unfortunately plow up some of their produce. You apply what we talked about biologically. So, Alright, that'll do it for today. Thanks for listening, and as always, happy fun.